Welcome back to another episode of Sharing Knowledge Series. I'm Kevin Vondro, Chief Lending Officer at Westfield Bank, and your host. Today we're discussing the retail industry and how the supply chain and rising inflation have impacted two different businesses. Please join us for this episode. Welcome to another episode of Sharing Knowledge Series. I'm your host, Kevin Vondro. And today we're going to be talking about the retail industry. We have two great guests with us joining us here today. First, we have Chris Curcio, who is the president and owner of Lighthouse Pools and Spas. Chris, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and what your company does? Uh, so we have uh, 15 retail stores. Uh, we do uh, uh, above-ground and ground swimming pools, hot tubs, outdoor furniture, grills, pretty much anything you want to have for the outdoor in the summertime, uh, we're the place. Um, uh, I've been the uh, uh, president there since uh, 2008. Uh, the company's been in business since 1959. Oh, wow. Wow, longevity. Yeah, been around a long time. Well, but, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. All right, we have Scott Maloney, owner of Century Cycles. So, Scott, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your company. Sure. So, we uh, have four retail locations in uh, Northeast Ohio. The most recent one we added was uh, Shaker Heights just a few months back. My uh, wife and I are newer into the industry. We um, acquired Century Cycles from a retiring owner last fall after I had been in uh, banking and IT consulting for a long time and decided I wanted to do something a little more fun. So um, our stores uh, pretty much offer cradle to grave from the time that we've got the little kids that can ride tricycles or small two-wheel bikes or um, hop in a trailer and ride that attached to the mom and dad's bike. And as they grow up, they can grow into bigger bikes. And then the mom and dads have got bikes and um, the grandparents even like to get out. So uh, we can cover the whole spectrum from the growth of a family up to where uh, those kids become grandkids one day. And then they're, they're riding with uh, the next generation. So tell me a little bit about what type of trends you're, you're seeing in your business. Chris, we'll start with you. Um, well, you know, uh, pre-pandemic, we were seeing uh, growth uh, for sure, eight to ten percent annually. Now, uh, once the pandemic hit and people were home, uh, we saw huge uh, growth. Obviously, huge demand in in the product. Uh, uh, people were looking around, and their kids are at home, and they can't go anyplace. And they're thinking, "Well, we got to do something here." And so, yeah, we've seen huge growth in in the outdoor. Uh, pools, hot tubs, patio furniture, grills even. It's uh, um, carried through not only in 20, but also into 21 and is still trending even in 22. When everything got shut down around March of 20, everybody was looking for something to get out of the house and um, they just flooded the bike stores and bought up everything in sight. And uh, it got to where you go around to a bike shop around the middle of 20 and there was hardly anything left on the show floor that anybody could pick up. So then we had a long log of back order and uh, the industry was racing to catch up. And then by last year, um, it got somewhat better to where people could go in and have a little bit of a selection to buy a bike. And um, heading into 22, it's getting yet still uh, a little more inventory than we had, but we're not quite back to what, what it used to be, but um, we're hoping that we'll continue to see um, the renewed interest, there were 30 million Americans that bought a bike for the first time in 21 alone. And now they're going to need service and accessories and other things. So we hope to see that renewed interest stay around even beyond uh, what we had to deal with with the, the pandemic. 
For us, it's been pretty much across the board. Yeah, the uh, uh, the the pool industry really took off again. I, I think it was a little bit more skewed toward family. Uh, hot tubs were were skewed a little bit um, uh, more toward uh, uh, older families and older Americans, and and then outdoor furniture. What Scott was saying, people were looking for something to do outside, get out of the house, and and so patio furniture really. Uh, escalated for us at that time as well. So it's, uh, but same thing, supply chain uh, has, uh, has been uh, really the, the thing that has slowed things and, and uh, um, caused some hiccups, just uh, being able to get enough product to meet the demand that's out there. So, so what are some of the, the ways that you can help combat that and, and just improve your, your, your inventory? It's kind of some of the things that you've done. Yeah, so uh, in the bike industry, we've found there was quite a shift from what had been done historically. Typically, you'd order about a third of what you needed in the winter months to prepare for the upcoming spring. And then as you depleted that, you could order in a lot of ways just in time. And you could have shipped in smaller quantities throughout the whole summer, uh, typically with um, anywhere from just a couple days to maybe a couple weeks. Well, that all kind of went out the window when we got through the pandemic and still hasn't completely reverted back. So a lot of our distributors and for the bikes, uh, manufacturers direct have said, we need you to order in larger quantity and you're gonna get it on a less frequent basis as you go through the season. So um, we reacted to that and um, followed that direction. But then we've now had the new challenge of with a lot more product in the stores at any given time, it, we've had to get very creative to fill every nook and cranny with uh, product that used to be a lot more uh, open space than we had before. So we've. We've adapted, but um, it's, it's been kind of different from what we had even going back a couple of years ago. We had the same, uh, when pandemic started, a lot of backlogs, manufacturers were shut down even as retail was open. And so we were taking a lot of orders and, and uh, those lead times, which typically, if you come in to buy a hot tub, let's say as an example, you get a hot tub, we would be able to order that from the manufacturer if we didn't have it in inventory for some reason and see it in about two weeks. And those lead times in our industry has actually uh, expanded way out to potentially 12 to 24 months, depending upon what it is you're looking for. Now, what we did and what you, were, you alluded to there is a lot more inventory so that the consumer isn't waiting those 12 to 24 months. You can walk into our stores today and still get a hot tub in a couple of weeks because we've we've expanded the selection we have available. Uh, so the the uh, the supply chain issues are still out there. Uh, retailers that are that are doing well, and I know talking with Scott, getting more inventory in as soon as you can in larger quantities so that the consumer isn't waiting has really been the the, the biggest key to our success over the last couple of years. Well, a lot of times uh, when there are supply chain issues, you know, like there, there's more demand than there is supply, and that causes pricing to go up. And we talk about inflation all the time. I mean, how much has, has that impacted your your business? So Scott, we'll start with you. A lot. Um, we've seen just in the last nine months six different price increases on on bicycles, as one, only one example out of a lot of other product that we carry. And um, we've really just gone ahead and revised the prices of the bikes themselves. We haven't felt like we were could afford to absorb any of that. Yeah. And um, because there's just been widespread inflation in general, customers have been okay with that. We haven't really had anybody come in and question or second guess. You know, they might have been in a few months ago and saw the bike at one price. Now they've come back to buy it and it's 
suddenly 30 or 40 dollars more they're like no we, we we watch the news we get it we understand why that happened and they've been um very uh, understanding no chris what about you with, with uh, the products at lighthouse i mean how much is in like inflationary pressure pressure cause you to increase prices yeah so not only have we seen uh, that related to supply but global supply so steel plastic resins and so forth that are available we've we've seen uh, between 40 and 50 percent price increase year over year which is just absolutely unheard of in in our industry um, there are fluctuations in some of the raw materials uh, that lead to some Dramatic jumps, but eight to ten percent would be dramatic. When we see forty to fifty percent, it's just uh, been one of those things. To Scott's point, people are are managing through it. Uh, we we don't know how many people are truly staying out of the market because of the the high pricing. But being honest, we have not seen a slowdown in the products, so we're we're managing through it. We have looked at it in a way of of sort of where where is our threshold if i were a consumer buying this product what would i pay and so in some areas we've seen a little bit of margin erosion just because we feel there's only so far we can go with it so the fed recently made a 50 basis point increase and they're projecting to do two more um, out there and if those come into play we, what impact will that have on, on your businesses i think it's uh yeah so Obviously, we get into a, a larger view, so the rising interest rates, falling stock market, and even if people are longer-term invested and looking more toward the future, they're not looking to retire over the next five to 10 years. Um, I think even if you're not pulling that money out of the market, you feel poor. Or even if you weren't actually using it to buy anything, I think there's that sense I feel a little poor. Um, you know, we're in a period right now we're seeing bonds and stocks fall at the same time, which is unusual. But uh, I think all of these things are a bit transitory right now. We know that because of the inflation, current inflation rates, the Fed's going to have to keep raising rates. What's that going to mean to us long term? I think if we can avoid a recessive period that we should be fine. I think there's uh, still plenty of demand uh, for our products. We are seasonal, both of us, and, and a bit weather related. So. Uh, those things may have more of, a, of an effect on us, uh, more so than the immediate uh, issues with, uh, um, say, inflationary pressures or, or what's going on with the uh, interest rates changing or even potentially a stock market unless something major goes on there. So to add to what Chris was talking about with that, all the effects of the inflationary pressure, I mean, one, one way it'll affect us directly is that, you know, we have a line of credit in the winter that we use to get through the slow months and buy in, bring in a lot of product and then we pay that down as we start ramping up sales. So um, if those variable rates keep ticking up, then it'll cost us a little bit more on, yeah. on what we've got on there, but um, that, that'll be okay, that's manageable. And then interestingly, um, with the bike industry, when we're seeing things happen in the economy that are causing people to spend, have to spend more money than they used to or tightening their finances, there's a direct correlation to where we actually see more business. Uh, we've got more people that decide, you know what, I'm not going to drive the car where I did. I'm going to start riding a bike, whether it be to commute to work or to go run a quick errand over to the grocery store and get some groceries. So um, we might, we, we actually think we might see a little bit of an up, uptick in business heading into the summer because of gas being 429 a gallon and some of those things. So um, it actually works to our advantage a little bit. 
Oh, that's great. I didn't even think about that. Chris, do you ever see similar things? Definitely. Instead of people going on vacations or something like that, investing in more entertainment around the home? Absolutely. And that's, uh, we've, you know, we've done promotions over the years when we've seen gas price, uh, prices spike that, you know, they call it a staycation and things yeah. of that nature. So you're staying home, have a little bit of a vacation there, do something fun with the family versus... You know, because not only have we seen inflation, obviously travel, costs to travel these days are, are uh, really high. And uh, so, yeah, we're seeing a lot of people just kind of choosing to stay home, do more around the home, uh, add a hot tub, add a pool, some outdoor furniture, invite friends over uh, is definitely cheaper than some of the alternatives. I know with both your businesses, you know, like, uh, on, on the retail side, it, it's important to have storefronts and for people to come in and see the product and, and buy it. But how important is it to have an online presence as well? Probably equally important okay. these days because there's just so all of our behavior has been changed that, um, again, to that work-life balance um, for convenience, you know, yeah. rather than having to go run an errand and pick up a particular item at a store and be gone for the time it takes to get there, to find it, to buy it, to come back home. People have gotten more and more into the habit of just going out online and finding what they need and having sure. it, show it show up on their doorstep two days later. So uh, while brick and mortar for us is, is really important to the bike consumer because there really at the end of the day is no substitute for coming in if it needs service to be able to drop it off at a local bike shop. And if they're going to buy that bike or they're buying whatever accessory, they like to be able to see it and touch it before they make that decision. But there are other times where they kind of done the research, they know what they want, mm -hmm. and they do just want to have it arrive. So they'll, uh, we have an online store, and they can go out there and find everything that's in our brick and mortar also in the online store, and they can do the point and click and pay for it very easily to have it arrive that way versus having to make that trip if, if that's the way they want to go. Yeah. Chris, what about you at, at uh, Lighthouse? How was... Uh... How, how important is an online presence for you? Well, it changed, obviously, during the pandemic. Uh, everything changed significantly. Sure. So we, uh, we had an online presence. We've completely uh, revamped it and tried to uh, adapt to some of the trends. So we're doing a lot of business, uh, buy online, pick up in store. That, that seems to be very popular with people uh, who live in the area. It's just easier for them to click and, and, and take care of the transaction whenever they feel like it, and then they can just drive by the store and pick it up. We still do ship a lot to home. Uh, I think the consumer, again, similar uh, type experience for the consumer. They're doing a lot of research. They're doing the research online. They spend a lot of what we're seeing our trends. They're spending a lot of time online at our online store gaining information, getting, in, getting an education about the product, different features and benefits that they would be interested in. So when they come into the store, they're a bit more educated about what it is they're looking for, things they think they want. Although I still believe the brick and mortar in our industry is of great value and great importance to the consumer. They want to see it, touch it, feel it, get a good sense of what it is, get a little bit more education from the, the staff in store. Um, they, they feel like they're getting enough information to be able to come in and feel confident that the questions they're asking are, are meaningful uh, when they get in there. And so we're not seeing a big shift of uh, big ticket items, hot tubs or pools, um, or even outdoor furniture shifting to online sales per se, but uh, we do see that the consumer is getting to know more about those products before they get into our doors. Yeah, that's the same for us. If it's for the bike itself, they're typically not buying that online, or if they are, 
it's with the antenna coming in to pick it up. But when you get into all the accessories, that's where it's a lot easier. If it's a quick hit kind of thing to go ahead and yeah. order that and that's okay to be delivered maybe to the house rather than coming into the store. So you know, you talk about that on the online and in like e-commerce and Amazon always comes to mind, right? When you, when you, when you think about that, how has that impacted your business? Not as much as we might have thought it would. Okay. Um, I think what we find is that with a lot of the Amazon retailers that have shown up out there, um, there's kind of a certain amount of false advertising, if you will. So they, they claim they have the same product that would be traditionally purchased at our store or through our online store. Um, then it actually arrives at their home and it, oh, well, no, this isn't actually the same product. And then they get into the, well, going through the whole process of trying to return it and so on. So um, because there's still been a fair amount of that, um, or they go to order it and, okay, they'll get free shipping, but price then is elevated to offset that. No. Um, I think a lot of our customers feel like there's no substitute for having the relationship with the local store and really enjoy the time they have with our employees when they come in. So, um, so far, knock on wood, it, it hasn't made much of a dent in, uh, in our business. No. What about you, Chris? Has, has it impacted you, Amazon, on, on how you do business or? A little in that we, you know, part of what we were talking about with the online uh, presence and how we have to adapt. I think it, that uh, the influence of Amazon has is potentially changed the way people shop to a degree. Um, but the expectation of what they're going to receive, to Scott's point, um, is is a bit skewed. So they want to be careful and they want to make sure they're getting, but uh, getting what what they think they're getting. But uh, at the same time, uh, we. We're fortunate that the products we sell uh, likely will need service or installation or something of that nature at some point, either it, right up front or someplace down the road, which is one area that a, an online retailer just can't provide. So having brick and mortar service departments uh, to be able to maintain or install those products is of, of key value to the customer. And um, there, there's just those types of things can't be replaced, at least the way things exist right now uh, by Amazon because somebody needs to be able to show up at the house and take care of that. So I, I think the influence really is the consumer expectation of what the online shopping experience should be uh, is, is changing. We have to adapt to that. But has it really changed the buying habits uh, of the consumer? I, at the end of the day, I don't believe so in anything. If anything, it's maybe enhanced brick and mortar to some degree because the expectation of buying certain products online, um, most consumers realize there's a certain degree to which, and like Scott was saying about more ancillary support products, people are willing to buy online and get those because those can be very similar. But when it comes to a big ticket or obviously a service uh, type product, those things just won't be available. And I, and I gotta imagine um, that on the big ticket items, the, the customer service components gotta be key, right? Not only do you, you know, help with the initial purchase, but then just maintaining that product um, throughout the years is, right. is, is gotta be key. So how do you separate yourselves from your competition with, with customer service? Uh, we, did, we always talk about the customer experience when they're coming into the store and um, just ingrained it in all of our staff. And they can be in any position that um, we, we tell them, you, you're really all in sales. It's yeah. not just the folks that are out there on the show floor that are having interaction when the customer is making a buy decision, but later when they bring something back for service or even while they're there to have something serviced, 
there may be an opportunity to um, cross-sell them or upsell them onto something else that's tied to what they're doing with the bike or um, if they're expressing dissatisfaction about the level of quality or features or functionality on something currently on the bike, well, hey, we've got other alternatives to that that you could um, enhance or upgrade to what, what you have right now kind of thing. So um, I think we're doing a good job of that because our in, in these days, you know, it doesn't take long for something to hit social media if yeah. you're <laughs> failing to yeah. please somebody. Uh, and then we've always got a lot of people now putting those online ratings out there and um, we get we, we pretty routinely get good ratings. So we're, we're pleased with how they're how they're doing there. Chris, what about you? I mean, how important is, is customer service in, in your line? It's huge. Uh, obviously, customer expectations uh, have evolved over the last couple of years. Again, referring back to uh, online transactions and, and the availability of being able to write reviews and things like that. So I agree. Everybody in our uh, everybody in the company is in customer service in one way, shape, or form. Um, we we have uh, continued to try to evolve, meet the customer where they, they want us to meet them. Like I said, there's a lot of the buy online, pick up in store has sure. uh, uh, really changed things because we'll have people that'll order at midnight. You know, obviously the store's closed and that way they can just pick it up the next day sometime. And uh, um, customer service continues to be extremely important in retail. Uh, for us, especially in a lot of cases, we're at the, cons the consumer's home uh, doing the service work. They're not necessarily, when service is being done, it's almost never in our store, it's at their home. Yeah. And that they have a, definitely a different expectation when you're in their yard than, than when they're in your store. What, what impact did the pandemic have on your business on, on the positive side, right? <laughs> changes and, and maybe some of those things you're still doing today. Yeah, fortunately, we, we've, uh, most of it's been positive. So there was an increase in demand. There's, uh, there've been changes. We've had to uh, really get in touch with what the consumer desires are and we've tried to evolve to meet those. And, and uh, uh, so I think in, in virtually every way, the, the pandemic has made us better business people uh, made us adapt to that consumer a little bit quicker. I think consumer evolved very quickly over that period of time. And I think the consumer was just sort of, you know, really uh, busting to get out of that. And, and, and uh, um, sometimes that those expectations of what was going on in supply chain and so forth weren't always received well. But our, our team has adapted very well to it and uh, tried to keep very positive reviews to your point. Uh, and, and try to meet that consumer where they need us to be. So being small business owners, how important is it to have a good banking relationship? And, and, and maybe tell our audience a little bit about that. And Scott, we'll start with you. I, I think it's very important. Um, I mean, in my case, because working with Westfield is how we got the financing to buy the business that uh, we have now. So, um, and. You know, um, if I compare or contrast that with the larger banks, and I used to work at the larger banks, uh, I, I think the smaller, the community banks can be a lot more responsive and more available when you have a question or you have a need. Um, you, there are a few folks at Westfield that we can call or email and we'll, we'll hear back usually within, you know, a couple hours. Um, in contrast, there are a few things that we also still do with the larger banks and that's more rare. Um, you're going to usually end up waiting a day or even longer before they come back around and respond to what your question or your need was. So um, that, that's helped us a lot, especially as we've been 
getting everything settled in and, and ramped up for the day of the operation of the business that um, uh, Westfield in this case has really helped us out and been very responsive. Good. Thank you. Yeah. Chris, what about you? I mean, what, what's your thoughts on a, on a good banking relationship? Uh, there, are, there are four uh, key people that uh, I would tell anybody are vital to have good relationships with your attorney, your accountant, your insurance agent, and your banker. Uh, and, and I would agree with uh, Scott, uh, those, those people are on a short list of, of contacts. If anything's going on, those are the people that uh, we're talking to. Uh, my, our relationship with, with Westfield's been amazing. Uh, to his point, dealing with larger banks in the past, and um, you, know, you have a question, you, you, you need something, um, you reach out and it might be a day or two if you're fortunate before you hear back from somebody. Uh, and the relationship here is uh, phenomenal. Uh, I hear from um, my banker just to see how things are going. Uh, if I need nothing and he hasn't heard from me in a little while, he'll give me a call and just say, hey, I'm just checking in or I'll shoot a text, know you're busy, don't want to bother you, but you know, this is uh, uh, just a check-in and, and let me know how things are. And uh, if you have a minute, give me a call and we'll just catch up. So I, I, I think it's been invaluable uh, in our business. What guidance would you give a small business owner that's just starting out um, as they're looking to, to build their business? You just touched on part of it. Having a great banking relationship is going to be uh, of vital importance. Um, training. Uh, your staff need to be well-trained, they need to be uh, focused on the customer. So whatever, line, you know, whatever area you're in, whether you're in distribution or at the end uh, game in, in, in retail, uh, manufacturing, you've got to be focused on the needs of that customer um, and be willing to have conversation within your company to adapt to the needs of that customer as, as trends are changing. Um, I think we have to have a view of the, the the end game, the, the long-term goals of the organization. But if we get too focused on long-term and we lose sight of what's taking place short-term, uh, we're, we're liable to drive ourselves into a brick wall pretty quickly. And so um, I, I think just try to have a well-rounded group of people uh, surrounding you, rely on them, have good relationships with those key people, and stay focused on the end customer uh, that, it, that you're uh, either producing or selling a product to, uh, and, and understand if they've got an end customer as well, how you can help them get down that path. No, that's great advice. Scott, is there anything you wanna add to that? Chris, Chris covered a lot of it, but uh, <laughs> uh, I guess what I would add to that is um, just planning. Um, you know, Look out about a year and set a few high-level goals, and then down below those high-level goals, um, have a list of some tactics you wanna execute on as a, as a business to achieve those. And um, we have a leadership team meeting every Monday morning where we talk about what, what went on last week, what went well, what we're planning for the coming week, are there any blockers we have to attack, and um, don't get distracted. I mean, that there's so much going on now as a small business owner, and there's so much news out there. It's very easy to get distracted. And so, um, you know, we'll even, we, we kind of have a joke now where somebody will start to talk about something and we just say, squirrel. <laughs> because, and then everybody knows, okay, we're, we're veering off of what we should be focused on, which is making sure that everything we're doing from week to week 
once we get through each quarter and when we get to the end of the year, if we had a few things that we really wanted to make happen this year, that everybody was uh, on the same page working yeah. toward that. Oh, that's good. Having goals is important. It's kind of like a roadmap. If you don't have a roadmap, you're going to get lost, right? So I think that's key. Well, I do want to thank you both for, for joining me today and, and, and talking uh, really around retail industry. But I do have one more question for, for each of you. And, and I get to ask this to all my guests is, what's on your watch list? So what's top of mind to you that you'd like to share with our audience out there? So Scott, we'll, we'll start with you. Probably staffing. Because at the end of the day, uh, if you don't have a good team to run that, to run the business, what do you have? So um, with all these challenges we faced, trying to fill whatever positions we've got, um, just having a very straight and narrow focus on getting those filled and then doing the appropriate training and onboarding so that they get up to speed quickly and um, don't, don't feel stressed out or overwhelmed. And um, I think as long as we do that and we pick the right people and we've got the right team, then everything else will, will fall into place. Good. Chris, what about you? What's on your watch list? Uh, things that are outside my control too many, unfortunately. Uh, you, you know, the economy is going to affect us as we move forward. Uh, um, the inflationary pressures. I think some of those things uh, over the short term will, will get corrected. Uh, so I would agree with Scott. I think that, that it's always a focus to have great people uh, working for you, provide great training, and make sure that they're well-equipped well for what they're going to encounter into the future. And so the things that are beyond our control, all we can kind of do is sit back and, and watch them and, and hope that we're planning right now to adapt well for those uh, and then just train the, the, the staff and, and hire the right people. Well, I want to thank you both again for, for joining me and uh, really helping me out with the, this topic today. Thank you. Sure. It's my pleasure. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Sharing Knowledge is brought to you by Westfield Bank, hosted by Kevin Vondro, Chief Lending Officer. From the imagination and creativity of Chris Van Osdale, Elise Love, Suzanne Favory, Corinne Wilson, Kartika M. Caffey, the marketing and communications strategist at Westfield Bank. Produced, edited, and mixed by Shark and Minnow. Learn more at westfield-bank.com forward slash SKS. Sharing knowledge and shedding light on the financial industry to empower financial freedom. The Sharing Knowledge series of videos, podcast episodes, articles are for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as legal, tax, financial investment, accounting, or regulatory advice. Opinions expressed and third-party information shared herein do not reflect the opinions of Westfield Bank, Westfield Group, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. The information shared does not constitute nor is intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any product or service. Testimonials may not be representative of the experience of other customers and are not guarantees of future performance or success. Bank products and services provided by Westfield Bank, member FDIC, an equal opportunity lender.